1: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
0: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, opposing sides weigh in on the bill that could change abortion in the state.
2: We've already told our state legislature and our government that we don't want them meddling in these personal private health care decisions. So voters have already spoken on this, and the legislature continues to push.
0: Then, in a special delivery of everyday tech, it's Safer Internet Day. Learn ways you can create, connect, and share respect. And a bill that could put equal pay on state record faces a deadline for action. We'll hear from the advocates still fighting for all women. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A state bill that would ban abortion in Mississippi after 15 weeks is headed to the Senate. HB 1510 passed the house by a vote of 79 to 31. The measure would only allow abortions after 15 weeks for medical emergencies and when the fetus is severely abnormal. Currently, abortions in the state are banned after 20 weeks. Republican Representative Tracy Arnold of Boonville is co-author of the bill. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser why he supports the measure.
1: I am a co-author of that piece of legislation and uh I support it because I see an opportunity to preserve and save the lives of the innocent unborn.
3: What do you say to people who are concerned about restricting a woman's right to an abortion? Right now it's at 20 weeks. Why does five weeks make a difference?
1: Well, you know, the children that are aborted in that five-week spectrum could actually be uh, a lot of children. So that's several lives you're talking about. You know, I think we need to get back to the point that, uh, you know, contraceptives and and birth control pills and that kind of thing is what we need to utilize, you know, for people that don't want to have children to later in in their lives instead of abortion. You know, that to me, that should never really be an option uh, to abort a child because a child has a life, and life is a gift from God.
3: So are you saying that abortion is being used as a contraceptive?
1: In some cases, I believe that it probably is. Uh, I don't know that as far as factually. I can't say that. I've never been in that situation personally, you know.
3: There is a concern on the part of uh, abortion rights advocates is that if the more that you reduce access to an abortion, the more likely there are going to be dangerous alternatives taken to abort a child because the woman isn't able to afford it or whatever the reason is they're going to do some things to their body to try and abort that child rather than go through a more safer means
1: well you know and there again I think that's where we need to educate people and allow them to have options early on you know like birth control and those type measures before life is actually conceived and I think that's really our solution to this initiative you know I believe the bill is, uh, is moving in the right direction, and, uh, and I co-authored and support the endeavor. You know, it's, it's always an honor to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves.
3: In 2011, there was the personhood amendment, which said that life began at the point of conception, and that referendum failed to pass. Why do you think uh, this has a chance why do you support this now when people have voted against the personhood amendment?
1: Well, I believe it's really a somewhat two different situations because you're dealing with a, a a late-term type pregnancy versus a conception issue. But I also believe that life does start at conception uh, as well. I did support that endeavor, to be honest with you, Um you know, I'm worried about our society today because as we devalue life, whether it's an unborn child or even a senior citizen, you know, or anybody in between that spectrum, you know, when we take the value away from life, you know, that's, I don't think that's a place that we want to live as a society.
3: Well, Representative Arnold, we thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
3: Abortion rights advocates say HB
0: 1510 is unconstitutional and are urging lawmakers not to pass the measure. They say the bill is one of the most restrictive abortion bills in the nation. Felicia Brown-Williams is the state director for Planned Parenthood. She tells MPB's Desiree Fraser how abortion changes have failed in other states.
2: There have been similar pieces of legislation that have been uh, introduced and passed in other states that have been deemed unconstitutional, excuse me, by the courts, including in Arkansas. So we have um, armed the folks who are here with us with information about that to share with their legislators if they choose to do so, in addition to all of the other um, issues that they're lobbying on.
3: What makes it unconstitutional? The Supreme
2: Court has explicitly said that you cannot, um, states specifically, cannot ban abortion pre-viability. So as it stands right now, Mississippi already has a ban on the books for abortions past 20 weeks. What is happening with this particular piece of legislation is that a national anti-abortion group is pushing this legislation specifically in states where they feel like they might be able to get a favorable court judgment because they'd like to take this to the Supreme Court and their hope is that they can overturn Roe v. Wade. But we know the Supreme Court has said explicitly that states cannot do this and uh, We are confident that it will be found unconstitutional when it's taken to the courts.
3: So is it 20 weeks that the state says in Mississippi you have to get an abortion?
2: So the current state law is that you cannot receive an abortion after 20 weeks. However, there's only one abortion provider in the state. That's the Jackson Women's Health Organization. They're based here in Jackson. It's not a Planned Parenthood facility. Uh, We don't actually provide abortions in Mississippi, but we know that abortion has to remain safe and legal for women in this state, and we are dedicated to making sure that happens, even if we're not the provider.
3: Now, nationwide, by and large, is it 26 weeks? It depends on the state. It's different in every state
2: because states are the ones who make the decisions on that. However, the Supreme Court has explicitly said that there is a threshold which states cannot go below, and that is viability. And this is clearly below that threshold and thus unconstitutional. What would the threshold be? And that's the thing that's tricky about this because every pregnancy is different. And so that is not a hard and fast number. And I'm not a medical professional, so I leave it to a woman and her doctor to decide at what point her own pregnancy is viable.
3: Why is this an important issue? Well, this is an important issue for me
2: personally as a woman who lives in the state of Mississippi. I mean, one of the things that... We know about Mississippians is that we've already told our state legislature and our government that we don't want them meddling in these personal private health care decisions. In 2011, voters voted down the personhood ballot initiative by a 16 point margin. That is not a small margin. So voters have already spoken on this, and the legislature continues to push because we've got people that don't trust women to make their own health care decisions that are best for them and their families. So what we really need our legislators to do is to listen to Mississippians. We've already spoken. We want them to trust women, and we want to make sure that for legislators who like to say that they are... Pro life. Most people understand that women must have access to abortion and it must be safe and legal. We want our legislators to understand that.
0: Planned Parenthood's Felicia Williams with our Desiree Frazier. Democratic Representative Kathy Sykes of Jackson tells MPB's Desiree Frazier women should have the ability to decide what's best.
4: I am against any bill that further erodes a woman's right to make decisions about their bodies. Uh, you know, as we celebrate the 45th year of, of Roe v. Wade, we should, uh, by this point, be adjusted to the fact that it is the law of the land, and um, we should stop uh, trying to put restrictions on a woman's right to choose and to make decisions, health care decisions, for her and her family.
3: Why do you think that there is such a push to stop women from getting abortions?
4: Some of it is under the guise of religion. Uh, but if you look at the record, there are way more men pushing uh, legislation of this sort than you have female lawmakers because we understand the ramifications of Roe v. Wade and why it is so very important to us, our daughters and uh, future generations.
3: Do you feel, is there a possibility that abortion is being abused, that it's being used as a contraceptive? Some may feel that way.
4: Well, I don't think that's the case. But if that is a concern, then the answer to that would be to make contraception affordable and easy to obtain for all citizens, and that will
3: alleviate that concern right there. Representative Seitz, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us.
0: Thank you. House Bill 1510 will now be taken up in the State Senate. Coming up on Everyday Tech, a call to action for everyone to help create a better internet for everyone, especially the youngest users out there. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, Go to mpbonline.org.
1: Coming up on the next Mississippi Roads from the Hattiesburg Zoo, it's stories about animals across the state. We'll take a look at the least-turned population on the coast. We fly away with some dogs looking for a home, and we visit an exotic pet sanctuary. I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on the next Mississippi Roads. Thursday at 7 on MPB Television.
0: This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilt Cottrell, and today is Safer Internet Day. So we'll discuss ways that you can help promote safer and more responsible use of online technology.
5: So what are some things to consider when using the internet or your mobile device? Well, Michelle, one thing I think people really need to think about when they're talking about safety and the internet is where are you connecting from? Because if you're connecting from in your home or in in a private environment like that, your, your safety considerations may be different. But if you're in a coffee shop, a local restaurant, there's no telling who else could actually be sharing those connections with you. So when we're talking about being safe from that aspect, you really kind of need to be aware of your surroundings. Now, if you're also in a work environment, you really need to pay attention as well to what are your employer's expectations when you're using that Internet connection. So are they looking for certain things? Are there communications that you're making that are actually prohibited. Maybe you're making a statement about something that happened at work and it's really a little bit more private. Maybe it's a personnel-related thing. You can't be putting that all out there. So you really need to be mindful of your audience and be mindful of your location. And another thing that we really need to look at when we're doing this is we got to think about what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to put a joke out? Are you just trying to talk about what your day's been like or are you trying to attack someone? Are you really angry? That can really make things take a dangerous turn really fast. And we've seen that so many times, people who have that tendency of speaking before they think. you know we, we see that in so many aspects. We see that in in public figures. We see that in our neighbors. We see that even possibly in our kids' friends, that sometimes that reflection was not a reflection of who they were, but it was a reflection of a moment in time, and we really need to watch out for that.
0: And, Wilt, since you mentioned being responsible on the Internet, Safer Internet Day was actually created
5: to help teach the younger generation how to be responsible when using their mobile devices. Well, we really do, because unlike maybe when you and I were growing on up, a lot of the dangers we were exposed to were right there in our neighborhood and you had you had neighbors looking out and you had people that you went to church with down the street that were able to look out for you and you know if you did something really crazy by the time you got home that night your mama knew and but nowadays with a digitally connected world you're not just connected to the folks that are in your neighborhood you're connected to folks down the street across town in the next city state or even country or continent away so so the dangers have unfolded exponentially. And here's the other thing. A lot of our younger generation today has grown up knowing nothing but this technology, whereas you still have parents and grandparents who this is fairly new to some of them. And so what you have is a digital disconnect, really. And that is, is that these kids and younger adults are using tools that those who supervise or those who are guardians of, parents of, they have no idea what's really going on. So there's there's really a, a disconnect in language there. So it's encumbered upon us as the adults, as the, you know, like when it comes to my kids, it's my responsibility to take on a little bit, learn that some and have those conversations with my children so that they understand that the decisions you make today can impact you for the rest of your life. So, Michelle, Safer Internet Day really gives us an opportunity to put a little bit of focus on this technological tool that has come into all of our lives. We're all so connected with the Internet, with websites, with apps, with social media, with texting, and with all these other new, exciting, and instant ways for us to communicate We need to do those things safely. We need to do those things responsibly because that has really become a challenge sometimes when you get people behind a keyboard that all of a sudden don't necessarily feel responsible for their actions. So again, we need to focus back and think about where are you connecting from, what are you trying to do, and what image of yourself are you putting out there and make sure that it's an accurate reflection of who you are and also of who you want to be.
0: Join us for more Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 a.m., or you can listen online at mpbonline.org. For Wilt's Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
6: times change the law changes or does it on our next in legal terms our guest will be national trans activist trial attorney and author ellie krug ellie speaks trains and consults on diversity and inclusion to court systems corporation government entities and more in legal terms today at 10 a.m on mpb think radio and on the internet at mpbonline.org
1: for MPB's Moments in Black History, we salute Vernon F. Damer Sr. Damer was the president of the Force County chapter of the NAACP. On January 9th, 1966, Damer led a voter registration drive. Then, in the early morning hours of January 10th, his Hattiesburg home was firebombed. Damer's family managed to escape, but Damer lost his life. Years later, his widow Ellie was elected election commissioner in the same district where her husband was killed for his voting rights advocacy. This has been MPB's Moments in Black History.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A bill that would make equal pay a part of state law is facing a deadline for action. Mississippi House members have yet to vote on HB 1241, which would prohibit cities and counties from establishing a minimum wage above the state rate. Lawmakers overwhelmingly approved the amendment proposed by Democratic Representative Alice Clark of Jackson. It would require women and men who do the same work be paid the same wages. Still, critics say it's unnecessary since federal law already prohibits pay discrimination based on sex. National equal pay activist Lily Ledbetter tells us the move is necessary.
6: Mississippi is a state like Alabama. These two states have no protection for women. And that would be wonderful because it would be an encourager for, I would hope, all, but if not all, most employers to go ahead and start looking at their procedures and change the way they're doing things.
0: Some legislators say equal pay is already a federal law, so why does Mississippi need it? And some advocates say it would strengthen enforcement. Would that be the case if it repeats federal law?
6: It would. In fact, uh, that's what I talk about a lot is in my case, I had the federal equal pay law passed in 1963, but I never got equal pay because it was not enforced. And I worked for a corporation that had government contracts from day one all the way through the years that I worked there, and I still did not get equal pay because they were not checked.
0: So in order for you to get that pay, you had to file a lawsuit?
6: I did. In fact, I never got a dime, as you know. In my case, I worked there all those years and was told when I went to work never to discuss my pay. If I did, I wouldn't have a job. So no one ever discussed their pay. In management level, we didn't have a way to find out exactly how we how the pay rates, when the cost of living changed the pay rate. We didn't know. Occasionally, your superior would hand you a note and say, this is your new pay rate. And uh, you didn't know if you were getting one when the others got one, or uh, you were getting less or what. And so all those years, my pay was gaining and falling way and farther behind. And I didn't know it, didn't have a way to find out. And when I started pushing toward the end of my career on the latter half, I'd say, I couldn't find out. What I like about what the states are doing The states can enforce and maintain these laws better than the federal government. And a lot of states for many years now have already had equal pay laws. And I know one state early on, they said if you do not adhere to these federal laws and have government contracts or any contract in their state, you would not keep it. They would cancel it.
0: An amendment was introduced to let individual communities decide on the equal pay issue, but that was set aside. Do you think a local government should have the ability to change pay, and would that affect enforcement?
6: They'd even have stronger control because it would be a smaller number of people to keep up with and smaller probably group of contracts, so they probably could even enforce it better. i have not known of any individual communities that have done that, but that could be done. And in a state like Mississippi, that might be a way to start, because it's hard to get these things passed. The Leadbetter Law, that's one of the things I'm so proud of. It was bipartisan. It was Democrats and Republicans and independents that supported the law from day one. It was co-sponsored, the bill was, by republicans and democrats and that's what i'm so proud of and that's what this requires because what you and i are speaking about at this moment is equal pay we're talking about the american family we're not talking about giving someone something we're going to let that person earn what they're getting but they get what they've earned
0: We have legislation with a deadline. The legislation on this equal pay faces a deadline this Thursday. If it doesn't pass, what do you think the future looks like for Mississippi women?
6: The same that it has been in the past, although it probably has gotten a lot of attention now. Um, And there are employers that are smart enough to know that when they have a record in their company, that they are compensated fairly and equably. They're more productive. They either put out a better service or better product. They're more successful, and the bottom line is always greater in the net profit. That's already a proven, and the corporations that are smart, they understand this, and they know this, and they understand that if the people in their, within their company know this, then they are more successful. I'm just hoping beyond anything that this passes is in the state of Mississippi.
0: People will say that women already have equal pay. So why all the fuss?
6: My response to that is it's not a myth. Do the math. You can pick out any three women just randomly and talk to them about their pay. And then you do the math. It is not. It is not a myth. It's the math. They are unequally paid, and that goes on for the rest of their life. It affects them in their retirement, 401Ks, Social Security, and for the rest of their life.
0: Lily Ledbetter is a pioneer. She is ground zero for equal pay. She has a bill named after her or a law named after her, the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. Ms. Ledbetter, thank you so much for being with us.
6: Thank you for having me. I appreciate this so much.
0: Another amendment to HB 1241 has placed the bill in legislative limbo. A decision must be made by Thursday or the bill will die. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
1: For the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio,
6: visit MPB Online.